Well, again, here we are in a place that we never saw ourselves um, and maybe even um, grieving a little bit that we're not together, that we're not able to worship in ways that are familiar or um, even always comfortable. And yet here we are connected to each other in ways that, um, that we're here. We're present, we're together, um, separate but together. Um, and we're here to celebrate Palm Sunday, um, to celebrate uh, and to remember this story of Jesus entering in Jerusalem. It begins our Holy Week activities and our Holy Week remembrances. Um, we begin with Palm Sunday and we'll have um, uh, worship opportunities on Maundy Thursday and on Good Friday and of course on Easter Sunday. Um, they'll be different. Uh, and I think that's something that we've been repeating about so much of life right now. It's just different. Um, and even though it's different, it's the same God. And it's the same story. And maybe it touches us in different ways. Maybe we're hearing different pieces and parts today that we've never heard before. But we're here, we're present, we're listening, and we're open. So would you pray with me? God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Well, as we, um, as we think about this story, especially from the Gospel of Matthew, um, I think there's a few things to remember about this story and the context that it's in. Um, I think there's, um, it's important to remember about Jesus, that Jesus wasn't a Christian. Um, Jesus was a Jewish man and participated in the festivals and the holidays of the Jewish tradition. So I think that's important for us to remember because sometimes we think of Jesus as a Christian and yet he followed all of the traditions and the laws of the Jewish people as a Jewish man. And so um, one of the festivals in particular that Jesus would have followed as a Jewish person, which is still a festival um, and a holiday that the Jewish people re uh, recognize and, and celebrate today, um, it's the celebrating and remembering the Passover. And it's the Passover of Moses. Um, it's when, uh, in the story in Exodus, um, you might remember um, the, uh, the story of the 10 plagues where Moses goes to tell Pharaoh to let my people go and Pharaoh says no. Um, and then 10 plagues are, um, are released uh, every time Pharaoh says no. With the last of the, the um, plagues being the death of the firstborn where the angel of death would pass over the homes where the lamb's blood had been painted. And the end result of these plagues and these requests of Pharaoh was that Pharaoh let the Hebrew people go. <clears throat> and they um, then eventually began their journey towards the promised land. And Passover, the celebration, retells that story. Um, and uh, it's a really a high holy day for the temple, um, especially during that time, it would have been a high holy day. It would have been when people um, came to share their offerings. Um, it was a pilgrimage day that many people would go to Jerusalem and to the temple to celebrate and to honor. Um, and so what it would mean is not only were, was the temple very busy, but the, the city itself was. So um, Jerusalem would have been 
full of people. So I think those are a couple things to keep in mind as we begin this story, um, because um, it would have been probably Passover that Jesus was entering into Jerusalem. Um, and so there would have been all of these people who were there. And Jerusalem was under Roman rule, which um, most of the world at that time, at least the world that they knew was under Roman rule. And Rome achieved uh, rule by violence and by war. So um, Rome would go into an area and say, this is ours. Um, we bring peace. Uh, and if you disagree with us, then we'll kill you. Which, you know, is a form of peace. Not real peace. Um, but they would, um, if, they, if you disagreed with them, they would kill you or they would have, um, uh, they would have sort of group killings. Um, and these... Oftentimes it was crucifixion, um, and crucifixion is when one would be nailed to the cross. And so um, it was definitely a sign for the person who disagreed or for who who had an uprising against Rome. Um, it was a, certainly a statement to the individual. But then what they would do is they would leave these crosses or these crucifixions, um, and usually there would be more than one that would happen, and they would line the streets. Um, with these crosses and with these crucifixions, with people still on the crosses. And it would be a statement, not just to the individual who was crucified, the individual who was killed, um, but it was a statement to everyone else who would see them, that you would see them and say, oh, we better not stand up against Rome either, otherwise this is us, which is the statement that, that they wanted to make. You could be next if you don't behave, if you don't function, and if you don't do what we want you to do. This could be what happens to you. And so as people, you learn really quickly what you need to say and what you need to do in order to stay alive. Um, Pilate was the governor of Jerusalem at that time. So he was um, from the Roman Empire and he was the governor of Jerusalem. Um, and he was charged with making sure that the Jewish people and Jerusalem in particular were kept in line. Now, a lot of times people think that the Roman Empire or the Rome of Rome was really opposed to a lot of religion, especially uh, Christianity, which is true in a way, but it's not because of religious reasons. Rome was actually really, um, they were really uh, open to and accepting of a lot of religions. What they weren't open and accepting to is when anything challenged their own authority or their own power. So you couldn't question the empire or threaten the empire because then you would be seen as a threat. Um, and Christians did this regularly. So that's really what got Christians into trouble. Um, Jesus is Lord is a very political statement. Um, it, uh, at the time, the only one who was Lord is Caesar. And to say anybody else is Lord meant that you were questioning the authority of the empire. And so um, this was a political statement. Um, so that's all some of the backstory, a little bit of remembering of what's going on, um, which brings us to our story from uh, Matthew, um, this passage from Matthew and Jesus' entrance into Jerusalem. So the story goes, as you remember this morning, uh, as we heard it, that Jesus rode in a donkey through the streets of Jerusalem 
and people laid down their coats and waved branches from the trees that they had cut themselves. Uh, and they were shouting, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heaven. It's a nice little parade. And who doesn't love a parade? Um, I don't know if they threw candy, but that would have been a nice addition. Um, okay, so um, it's a nice little story. It's a, it's a nice little thing that happens and we celebrate it every year on Palm Sunday um, with the waving of palm branches and shouting of Hosanna. But what's really going on? What's going on in this, in this passage? And there's actually some things that are going on that, um, that are really important and that we may not understand because of the context that we live in um, and uh, just what's happening. So as Jesus was entering in to Jerusalem on one end of town, on the other side of town, um, there was another parade that was happening. Um, and on the other side of town, Pilate was entering. So um, you have this setup between Jesus and between Pilate. And um, uh, Jesus enters town um, on a donkey, um, which is known as an animal of peace. Uh, the prophet Zechariah uh, wrote that the king of Jerusalem, the king entering Jerusalem on a donkey was to banish the weapons of war from the land and to speak peace to the nations. So um, this, this statement about who the Messiah would be as this king of peace, um, banishing weapons from lands and speaking peace to the nations, um, this kingdom that Jesus ushers in is not one of violence and war, but true peace. Uh, in fact, the Hebrew word for it is shalom, which means peace. Um, and so it's a very different, it's a, a very different peace than what Rome was offering. This is true peace, not peace by way of violence. Now, Jesus comes in riding on a donkey, and in contrast, Pilate comes in riding on a horse, and a horse, and he's in full military regalia because Rome's kingdom is not one of peace, but one of violence and one of conquering. So we've got this set up already. So there's this prearrangement that Jesus has to go into the village and get a donkey. Um, he knows where it will be and he has a plan. And so in many ways, this is a prearranged political protest that Jesus is offering um, and Jesus is doing. So, um, Jesus is very aware of what he's doing. He's very aware of the message that he's sending. So none of this is really an accident. And it's not contrary to anything that Jesus has been saying or doing at all already. So he rides in on a donkey. Now, after that story of the, the Palm Parade, which I'm gonna come back to a couple of things in that in just a minute, um, but uh, we have the story of the temple also. Um, of Jesus uh, being out, uh, Jesus cleansing the temple is what uh, this is often referred to as the story. And it was commonplace for people to be outside of the temple selling animals or products for sacrifice. And when you're traveling far distances, like many people would be to be coming to the temple, it's just easier. Um, it's easier to buy your two doves there than to try and trek them a hundred miles. Um, or maybe you can't afford it, uh, and so that's where you, you can't afford to, to bring it with you, and so you can afford to pay for it there. So people would have been um, 
selling their animals and products. Now that's not what Jesus was upset with in particular, because that's actually fairly normal. Um, Jesus was upset with something else that was going on in that, uh, in, in that part. So let's go backwards a little bit. In about 4 BC, in the town next to Galilee, which was Jesus' hometown, Jesus' hometown staged a revolt against Rome. And so in response, the Roman Empire um, came in with force and leveled the town, completely destroyed it. This was in 4 BC. Um, every citizen was put into slavery. And this wasn't a secret because Rome rarely kept these things secret uh, in, because they really wanted to remind people about them so that if anybody else stepped out of line, it would remind them that this could be you that's next. And Joseph's uh, father, or uh, Jesus's father, Joseph, was a carpenter. Um, and so there was probably a lot that Joseph did to help rebuild the city in order, um, in order for them to live again. So this is a story, this is the story that Jesus would have grown up with and known. He would have known about the Roman Empire and what happens when you cross Rome and what happens when you try and rise up against Rome. And what would have been separate from Rome and separate from this story would have been the temple. It was a sanctuary from violence and cruelty. It was a place separate from the empire. It was a place of prayer, a place of sanctuary. And many times it was a challenge to the empire, not just in this time and not just a challenge to Rome, but um, think about the prophet Nathan. Uh, Nathan challenged King David after his inappropriate relationship with Bathsheba. Um, so this happens that there's a challenge to those in authority often from the temple, from the sanctuary. The temple does not belong to the empire and the empire has no role in the temple. So the money changers of the, from this story weren't just selling items for the temple. They were collecting additional taxes for Rome, additional taxes for the empire. So they were taking advantage of especially the poor and especially their own poor people. They were ripping them off and they were letting the empire into the temple, making the temple an unsafe place. It was no longer a place of peace and prayer. It was not a place of challenge to the empire. It had become a den of robbers. And Jesus' life and ministry was often about challenging power structures, asking the questions why. Why are the poor being taken advantage of? Why are we making life harder on them instead of helping them? Why are the sick being marginalized and excluded rather than helped into healing? Why is violence and war the message we cling to when God's is one of nonviolence and peace? And you start asking those questions like Jesus did, and that means that you're acting in rebellion. You're rebelling against the empire. You're questioning their authority, and that's a problem. You're met with anger and a desire to maintain the status quo, and sometimes, like Jesus, even death. Now, I often say in um, reading the stories of scripture that it's a shame that they don't speak into normal and regular life or even speak today. I mean, we have 
no challenges like this at all, right? We have no religious or political tensions anywhere. Everything is right. Um, there are some Christians who will say that things like even what we're experiencing right now proves that the end of, is coming, that the end of the world is near. We're, we're struggling with, with what all of this means. And sometimes that means we try and make sense out of it and add some things to the story uh, in order to try and make sense. The truth is all of these political and religious tensions have been around forever. We've seen homelessness and poverty and war. We've seen people taken advantage of and we want it fixed. We want it to be better. We want it to be done. And I don't know about you, but fix it, Jesus, has often been my prayer. Just fix it. We want a parade where someone comes in to fix it all. Fix it, Jesus, fix it. And Jesus enters, riding a donkey with shouts of Hosanna. In the midst of this, Jesus surprises us with a colt. When we're expecting and maybe even hoping for something louder, Jesus surprises us with a different kind of radical, peaceful, entering as a protest to everything that was happening in Jerusalem and the Roman Empire, everything happening here and now. Peace. Hosanna. Now, when we shout Hosanna, even on Palm Sunday, I think that oftentimes we confuse Hosanna for hallelujah. Um, we think that Hosanna is a cry of praise, which is a lot of what it's become. It's become a cry of praise. Um, but Hosanna, in, in the original language in Hebrew, doesn't mean a cry of praise. In fact, Hosanna means help us, save us. So really, the people on that first, on the on Jesus entrance, weren't crying, yay, Jesus is here. Instead, they're saying, hey, help us. Dear Messiah, save me. Dear Jesus, help me. Help me. Save me. Have you cried any of those prayers or cries the last couple of weeks? Help us. Save us. Hosanna. Hosanna in the highest. We're not at Easter yet. I mean, we're Easter people, but we're not at the resurrection story yet. We're waiting for our hallelujah. We're waiting for those cries of praise. Praise the Lord. That's what hallelujah means. Praise the Lord. We're waiting for those cries of hallelujah. We're waiting for the praise to come. In the meantime, help. Hosanna. Hosanna in the highest heaven. Help us from the highest heaven. Hosanna in the highest. I had a meeting with someone. Um, I was meeting with someone pretty regularly. Um, 
about uh, a challenging point in their life. Um, and we met regularly to pray and to talk and to, um, to be together. And after a few weeks of meeting together um, weekly, I, um, I stopped the conversation and I said, what can I do with you? And the person I was meeting with said, oh my gosh, am I that bad? Like, are you just over me? Or is this just done? Um, what can you do with me? <laughs> and I said, no, 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 here's the thing. There are things that I can do for you and there are things that I can do to you, but those aren't really helping. So what can I do with you? How can we do this together? What can we do with each other? Hosanna in the highest. The help that Jesus offers isn't always expected. Jesus isn't always what's expected. Jesus was born as a vulnerable infant. Jesus challenges everything that was believed about the Messiah. Jesus comes in peacefully. Jesus saves us. Not always in the ways that we expect and sometimes not even in the ways that we want. Help us, save us. Hosanna in the highest. And Jesus also offers an invitation in the help. How will you help me? How will we help each other? The church is the body of Christ at work in the world. Hosanna, help us. And the church should be able to say, here we are, Hosanna in the highest. So how can we help in these times? Maybe there's a physical help, offering food, maybe picking up medications or supplies for people, Maybe it's making cloth masks. Maybe it's assisting with technology. Maybe there's an emotional help of calling people, giving company virtually. Maybe there's a spiritual help, reminding of hope, of love, of peace, of joy. Hosanna, help us, save us. Here's the thing to remember. Help isn't just on the way. Help is already here. Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. This week, this holy week, is one that is full of drama and surprises. The cries of the crowd move from Hosanna to crucify him. Help us to kill him. And as you experience the rest of the story this week, may we reflect on this peaceful ruler who calls us to be peacemakers. May we find the ways that Jesus' story still speaks into our own. May we live in the way that Jesus taught us in love, in mercy, in grace, and peace. Hosanna. Hosanna in the highest. Help us from the highest heavens.